0: Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Do two or three times a year, go through a book of the Bible. And so we do series on uh, books of the Bible. We also do series that are topical and uh, things like that and just kind of uh, even burden driven, a burden that the Lord puts on our heart. And uh, so right now we're in the middle of a six-week series where we're going through the book of Galatians. And I would highly encourage you, if you've missed part one or two, we're taking one chapter every Sunday and walking through it and, uh, and seeing what it says to us. And so if you've missed chapter 1 or chapter 2, part 1 or 2, you can get that on the podcast, you can get that on the app, and you can watch that back. I would highly encourage you to do that. And we're also reading through the book of Galatians. Uh, Every time we've done uh, a book of the Bible, we encourage you to take, uh, just like this one has six chapters, six days of the week that you are not here, Monday through Saturday, read a chapter a day and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you uh, as you're reading and, and allow things to jump off the page to you, I believe that God wants to speak to you. Amen? Come on, do you believe that? Do you believe that? And uh, so get in God's word. We believe it's, it's vitally, vitally important for you to do that. And so we know that uh, Paul has written this letter to these churches. There have been some false teachers and false teaching that's been going on that's leading them away from believing the true gospel that he had preached to them when he was there and started these churches. And so that's kind of the background in a nutshell. I mean, that's in, in just a couple of sentences, but uh, that's kind of where we're at and what Paul is doing. And this is really broken up into three sections, so to speak. And I want to hit on this for just a moment because today we're actually entering into what would be another section of uh, the book of Galatians. So if you if you read through Galatians, what you'll notice is that uh, chapters 1 and 2... Uh, are what we could say are they're all dealing with grace. They're all talking about grace, but chapters one and two are more about grace and the gospel. And so it's uh, it's more on a personal level. Paul's kind of setting the stage and saying, here's where my authority has come from. Here's why I've spoken these things to you. Here's what has happened and transpired behind the scenes that you may not have known about. And then what we're entering into today with chapter three is chapters three and four are more doctrinal. So it's grace and the law. So what you're going to find out is, that uh Paul is going to be pointing out some things like hey you can you can look back before the law and during the law and in the time that we're in now and it's all pointing to grace it's all pointing to Jesus and so he's pointing some of those things out and then in chapters five and six which I'm really looking forward to it's more the practical side and we could call it um we could put a title on it's going to be grace in the Christian life so there are a lot of verses that you probably know by heart that are in Galatians five and six and we're going to be touching on those and hitting those and and talking about those uh, as we get into April. So this series is taking us up to Easter Sunday. And I'm excited about Easter Sunday because the Lord is has put a message, a word on my heart for that Sunday. Uh, specific to, obviously, the resurrection and what we're celebrating. But uh, he's kind of working that out in me right now. And I'm excited about what God's going to do uh, through his word on that day. And don't forget, those service times will be a little bit different. We got 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30 and so we would invite you to be a part of one of those service times on Easter Sunday. So I want to jump into Galatians chapter 3 and uh, start with the first couple of verses. And then we'll go through this really verse by verse and, and talk about it. This is what Paul says. This is how chapter 3 starts off. He says, "Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. I love that Paul points out right in the very first two verses, he says, this was made very clear to you. In other words, he's saying, when we taught you, when I taught you, when the people that were with me, we were teaching you, and we were starting these churches and establishing this and building this foundation, We made it so clear to you that it was like you might as well have been looking at a picture of Jesus crucified on the cross. It was that clear. And he says, oh foolish Galatians, has somebody put a spell on you? And the word foolish, if you look it up in the Greek, it's very similar to what we would consider uh, foolish even in our English language. But this is the the deeper meaning of this, is to not reason through and to act in a mindless way. So what Paul is saying as he starts off chapter 3, he says, You Galatians are not reasoning through what you're hearing. You are not accurately processing the things that you're being taught. You are not taking into account what I taught you, what we taught you, how this was established in light of what these people are trying to get you to do and what they are teaching you. And he says, has somebody put a spell on you that you would turn away from what you know to be true and what you experienced and then walk into law and religion and all of these rituals and things that these Jewish Christians are saying that you know you have to do all of this stuff as well and he says you are not you are acting mindlessly you're just going with whatever it is that the people are telling you and he says to drive this point home he asked them a question that they already know the answer to and that he answers right after he asked the question have you ever had somebody ask you a question and then they answered the question for you (laughs) That's what paul does you'll see it a couple of different times as we're going to read today He asks a question and then he gives the answer Almost to say like here's the question you need to think about this and let me tell you what you need to be thinking about Like here's the truth of the matter. He doesn't even give them time to respond, right? He says i'm going to answer the question for you And this was the question he asked them. Did you receive the holy spirit by obeying the law of moses? He says of course you didn't You received the holy spirit by obeying believing the message that you heard about Jesus and he reinforces the fact that they received the Holy Spirit only by believing in Jesus not by doing all of the right things not by trying to obey the law and doing everything just so so but he says no you receive the Holy Spirit and this is going to be you know tying into the next few verses as well but if, if you look in Romans chapter 8 you see that The Holy Spirit is the evidence of our salvation. That whenever we we put our faith in Jesus and we are saved, the Holy Spirit is now living on the inside of us. And the Holy Spirit, as we talked in Ephesians, if you remember right, it's the seal of your salvation. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit whenever you gave your life to Jesus, whenever you surrendered your life to Him. And so it's almost like Paul is making this plea that going back to the law after all that the Spirit had done for them confirmed that they were not processing things correctly. He's like, did you receive the Holy Spirit by the law? No, you received it when you believed in Jesus. Like all of this has happened, so why are you going back on what you know you've already experienced, what you already know to be true? And then he goes on in verses 3 through 5. He says, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In other words, you've experienced some things. You've received the Holy Spirit. You've even seen some miracles. You've seen the Holy Spirit working among you. And do you think that all of that happened because you did all of the right things and because you obeyed the law? No, it was because you received Jesus. You believed the message that you heard about Jesus. And this is a powerful truth in verse 3 because I think it's something that many of us likely struggle with. And it's this thought that if we were only made new by God, why would we try to live it all out in our own strength? If you're only made new by God, Why would you try to live it out in your own power and in your own ability and in your own strength? He says it this way, after starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Why are you trying to become perfect by your own human effort? What does this look like for us today? I think it's a lot of times that we, it's... There may be some of you in this room that you believe the message, and you've all, and you you were raised this way. Some of us were raised legalistic. Some of us were raised in in grace. Some of us—I mean, we all have different backgrounds. And for some of us in the room, um, it's not as big of a deal for you to to believe that man. It's only by grace through faith that we're saved. But then on the flip side of that, after you've been saved and after you've entered into salvation, then it becomes this this. Uh, this opportunity in your mind like i have to do all of the right things to make sure that god doesn't get mad at me and make sure that god doesn't leave me and make sure that god is pleased with me and make sure that god is approved approving of me and we feel like we have to go through all of these things and if we miss something right if i miss a week of church you need to be in church but if you miss a week of church it's not that god left you right well if i you, you ever you ever experience it like this like You said at the beginning of the year, well, I'm going to read my Bible every single day. I'm going to read my Bible every single day because I know. And your intentions are good, and you're being led to read God's word because you are saved. Because you're a believer in Jesus. You're following Jesus. And you miss one day, and then you wake up the next day, and here's what the enemy plants in your mind. See, you can't do it. See, you can't do it. And we entertain the thought... And then we start to feel condemned, and we start to get down on ourselves, and we beat ourselves up, and then one day turns into two days, which turns into seven days, which turns into three months that we're not in God's Word, all because we believed a lie. And it wasn't, when you woke up, God was not condemning you. What God is saying, hey, here's another day, get in my Word today. Here's another day, spend time in prayer today. Here's another day, follow me today. Don't, don't condemn yourself and allow the enemy to, to put you in bondage like if you don't do all of these things and God's mad at you and God's left you and you can't hear the voice of God. No, Paul's saying if, if you were only saved by grace, why do you feel like in your own ability now you can live it out? Is there anybody at church today that can testify to the fact that if you try to live it out in your own ability, you will fail? Anybody ever tried to live it out in your own power? Do all the right things and the enemy, right? The enemy's like, oh, it won't be that big of a deal. And then he condemns you on the other side of it. If you were saved by grace, why is it that you're trying to live it out in your own power? And here's what Paul would say in another letter that he wrote to the Philippians in chapter 1, verse 6. He says, and I am certain that God, somebody say God, who began the good work within you will continue his work. Whose work is it? His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns one commentator reminds us that romans 8 teaches that it's a it's the spirit that continues the work of grace and fulfills the demands of the law in us it's not us trying to work it out in our own strength it's that when we've entered into salvation we've entered into relationship with god now the holy spirit lives in us and it's the holy spirit it's god he said i'm the one who saves you and i'm the one who will work it out I'm the one who saves you and I'm the one that you need to be following. And as you follow me and as you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and as you're being led by him, he's working it out in you. It's not your own strength. It's not your own ability. It's not all of you, you know, you doing all of the right things. No, the Holy Spirit will lead you to read God's word, will lead you into prayer, will lead you into community, will lead you into serving, will lead you into living this out. But you can't do it in your own strength. And Paul says, "Why are you you okay? You believe that it's by grace, but why why would you feel like now you've got to be the one that's perfect? Now you've got to live it out. You've got to do all the right things to make sure that God, that you stay in right relationship with God. That God's not mad at you. That God has not left you." Let me ask it to you in this way: How can you know if this is something you struggle with? Um, I think we can ask ourselves this question: Am I working and doing things for God's approval, or from God's approval? Because if I'm doing things to try to earn God's approval, then I have been saved by grace only to try to perfect myself. And now I've got to do all the right things to make sure that God still approves of me. God, do you approve of me today? God, do you approve of me today? God approved of you when he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you so that you could place your faith in him. He says, like, you've been made right with me by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Now let me walk with me. Walk with me. Let's live it out together. Let's work it out together. It's I who saved you, and it's I who's going to work it out in you. It's God's work that he's working out in you. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, we've quoted this verse every week in this series, but I want to read it today and talk about it for just a moment. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And the Holy Spirit keeps bringing me back to this verse. And I don't know if it's somebody here every single week that needs to get this down in your heart and in your spirit. That I want you to notice the order. that in, in What Paul says in the Ephesians, writing to these believers in Ephesus. He says, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long to do. It says, you were made new so that you can do the things. You don't do the things so that you can be made new. And some of us were like, okay, saved by grace, through faith, put my faith in Jesus Christ. Now I've got to do all the things to make sure that I'm right with God. I've got to do all the things to make sure that I'm approved by God. I've got to make sure that I'm doing all the right things to make sure that God's not mad at me. And he says, no, you were were made new so that you could step into the things that I had already created from the beginning of time for you to do. That he had a plan for your life so that when you place your faith in Jesus, you would step into the plan that he has for your life and that you would live it out as you follow after him. I was thinking about my own kids. And um, for those of us that are parents in the room, I was. this is, I guess, how the Lord speaks to me sometimes is through my own parenting and my own, my own uh, you know, experiences and things like that. And I believe he will to you too. But I was thinking about my own kids, and we had the opportunity. Uh, it's been a little over a year ago. Um, our kids were getting older, and, and, uh, and we wanted a little more space for them to be able to play outside. And so we were able to move from, from town out into the country a little bit, not too far out, and uh, have a little bit of outdoor space. And the reason, you know, one of the primary reasons why we wanted to do that for our family was because we wanted them to be able to experience, you know, hey, go out and, like, be outside. Let's go play basketball outside. Let's like, go out, You can go out in the woods and play. And, hey, let's ride the four-wheeler or let's jump on the trampoline. And here's what, here's what I was thinking about as I was preparing this message that my kids, I, I prepared all of this stuff. It's like, I, you know, you see your kids, and you're like, oh, like they would look so cute just jumping on the trampoline. And so you go buy them a trampoline. And you're like, oh, when they were over at their friend's house, they were swinging on the swing set. And so I, we need to get them a swing set so that they can swing here because we're preparing all of these things for our kids to do. But our kids don't have to do all of those things to be our kids. Because I love them and because they are my kids, I've prepared all these things for them to do. Like, I've set it up and, meant it's like we'll go to, you know, as parents, we'll go to like extreme lengths a lot of times to make sure that we're like we want our kids to have what they want, which that can be kind of a dangerous thing to go on, but that's another message for another time. But... But we prepare all these things for our kids to do because we want our kids to enjoy these things as our kids. They don't have to do all of these things to be a part of the family. And listen to me, they don't have to do all these things to stay one of my kids. They are my kids. And that's why I have prepared all of these things for them to do. Are you with me? Some of us, we start off believing this, but we transition Later into believing that we better not keep doing certain things so that God won't get mad at us. Or we need to do all of these things so that God will be, you know, happy with us and all of this. And listen, it's God who started the work and it's God who will finish the work. We just have to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Follow the Holy Spirit. Listen to that voice that's on the inside of you. The Galatians had obviously experienced some work of the Holy Spirit And these miracles and different things, and Paul is reminding them, he says, listen, this was a result of you believing the gospel, not anything that you could have done. And then he goes on, and we're going to break this into two sections, but it's going to be verses 6 through 14. And Paul is able to point to six Old Testament scriptures that continue to make his point. Have you ever read through the Old Testament and thought, "What, what am I reading? Some of you are like, can we say that at church? I don't know. You ever been reading, like, come on, somebody, you've been, like, you started, here's what I, here's what I know about most of us. You started the one-year Bible plan, and you got to Leviticus, and you shut it off. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to turn on the audio Bible, let that play while I'm in the shower, and then once we get to the next book, then I'll get back to the stories, right? You start reading through, and, and Paul, listen, and so we have a hard time. There are some things in the Bible, listen, there are some things in the Bible that is hard to understand. It's hard to wrap our mind around. It's hard to like, what does that have to do with this over here? And why did that happen? And and here's what Paul, I love that Paul is able to point back to six Old Testament scriptures to say, even that was proving what I'm telling you right now. Even this in this moment was proving what I'm telling you right now. So I want to go through these and just highlight them fairly quickly. And we'll start with verses six through nine. It says, in the same way. Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith so in verse 6 he says Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith and Paul's quoting Genesis 15 6 and here's what I think he's showing us that even Abraham listen to me before the law was made right because of his faith not because of anything that he did in fact if you read the story of Abraham you would see some things that Abraham did And you would know that he was made right with God because of his faith, not because of the things that he did. Even before the law, when God promised Abraham numerous descendants, Abraham did not try to earn the promise from God. He simply believed what God said. In that moment, God said, I'm going to make you... All the nations are going to be blessed because of you. I'm going to make your name famous. Like, I'm, I'm starting with you. I'm making a covenant with you. And here was Abraham's responsibility. Believe it. Here was Abraham's responsibility. Have faith in what God said. And it says that because of his faith, he was called righteous. In verse 8 that we just read, Paul quotes Genesis 12, 3. And I think he's showing us that both Jews and Gentiles would be saved in the same way. We go back and read it. This is what he says. He says, all nations will be blessed through you. In other words, there's going to come a time when every person on planet Earth will have the opportunity to be in right relationship with God all through the same method all through the same process, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me, and he knew what his plan was, and he knew that everybody is going to be able to have the same relationship with God through faith in my son, Jesus, and he was setting it in motion way, way, way before the law was ever given. It was never meant to be about the Gentile believers having to go back and do all the things that the Jews had to do to be saved and We'll discover later how we were all made one in Jesus. We'll read a verse here later on in the message. And then we look, verses 10 through 14, as Paul points out some more scripture from the Old Testament. He says, but those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, curse is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a person, that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. Come on, is anybody thankful today? When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing, for it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through in verse 10, we see that Paul quotes, it's Deuteronomy 27 26, and I think he's showing us that the law didn't save. The law actually brought a curse, but that's why Jesus fulfilled the law. He took the curse on himself, He took our place. He took our place in punishment. He received the punishment that we deserved so that we could be made right with God. And then in verse 11, Paul quotes Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. To remind us that life only comes through faith in Jesus. And then in verse 12, Paul quotes Leviticus 18.5 as the difference between doing all the right things and believing in what Jesus has already done. So he's quoting all of this Old Testament scripture to make his point about grace and to make his point about Jesus and the finished work of of Jesus and here's what you have to know about the law and I think we mentioned this last week or the week before briefly but here's what you have to know about the law and the way that the law was set up so if we feel like we have to do all of the right things to have God's approval here's what you need to know about the law if you've broken one of the laws you've broken them all here's how it was set up you have to be perfect and here's God's standard of perfection And so you have to do all of these things to be made right with God, to be forgiven of your sins. And if you're going to rely on doing things to make you right with God, then in essence you have to go back and do everything to be made right with God. And we could never keep everything in the law perfectly. It's like, well, I made it to law 537 and I failed. Then you broke it all. It's not. It's not a scale of well, I'm good enough. Am I not good enough? Have I kept more than I have not kept? Like when I look at the Ten Commandments, have I kept more of the Ten Commandments than I have not kept these? You know, like okay, I'm like like seven are good and three I'm not doing so good in. So I must be right in God's eyes. That's not the way that it works. If you've broken one, you've broken them all. That's the way that it was arranged. That's the way that it was set up. That's why you needed Jesus to take your place and fulfill all of the law. You can think about it in this way. Has anybody anybody ever flown before, flew, flew somewhere before? We've flown a few different places. And uh, how many of you know you don't want to miss your flight? Right? If you've got to, like, you better be there on time. Because they are no respecter of person. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and, but here's the truth of the matter is if you were running to the gate and trying to get on the plane and the plane was leaving and you were one minute late, or if you overslept and you didn't even make it to the airport until an hour after and you knew that you were going to miss your flight, either way, how many of you know you still missed the flight? If it was by 30 seconds, you still missed it. If it was by three hours, you still missed it. That's the way that the law was set up. If you missed one, if you broke one, you broke them all. So why in the world? Would we try to live according to rules and regulations and all these things? And listen, there are principles, and at some point we'll probably talk about this. there are principles throughout the Bible that are in the law that are in the that I think there are principles that are good for us to live by. But it's not intended to save us. It was never intended to save us. The only one who can save us is Jesus. So we have to place our faith in Him. The law was never intended to save us. And then in verse 13, Paul quotes Deuteronomy 21:23 and he shows us that Jesus's fulfillment of the curse of the law. He took the curse on himself and he was nailed to the cross, took all of our sin, all of our shame, everything that would that would separate us from God. He took it all on himself so that we can place our faith in him and be made right with God. And it's amazing to me as you look through the Old Testament verses that Paul quoted in the New Testament, And you realize that ultimately they show us that even the Old Testament, listen to me, was pointing to salvation by grace through faith. The Old Testament was all pointing to Jesus. Everything about it. So it it raises the question, well, in light of everything that we're learning right now, do we need to read the Old Testament? And here would be my answer to you. Yes. Because, and you need to read it with new perspective that this, this is all pointing to Jesus. And as I read this, how is this pointing to Jesus? As I read this, how, come on, some of it you're going to read in the Old Testament, and you're going you're to say this. You're going to say, thank God that I did not live then. Thank God that I didn't have to kill this animal and spread the blood a certain way and circle it like this and walk in between the, you know what I'm saying? Like had to do all of these things. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, took our place so that we would have right relationship with God through faith in Him. But it all you need to read the Old Testament for the, through the lens that this all points to Jesus. How does this point to Jesus? How does this point to grace? How does this point to salvation? And we continue in verse 15. Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child and notice the scripture didn't say or doesn't say to his children as if it meant many descendants. Rather it says to his child and that of course means Christ. This is what I am trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. I love what Paul is saying here because he's focusing in on the law and grace, but Paul takes it back 430 years before the law was ever given. And he says, I gave a promise. To Abraham I made a covenant with Abraham and if I changed my promise if I changed the way of salvation by giving the law then I would have broken my promise and my covenant that I give it that I've given to Abraham the law was not intended to save us God had already set a plan in place he had already made a covenant with Abraham he had said all the nations are going to be blessed because of you. That means no matter what descendant, no matter what race, no matter what ethnicity, no matter who they are, Jew, Gentile, as we would see in the Scripture, no matter who they are, they can be made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. And so the law did not cancel God's original plan or His covenant or the promise that He made to Abraham. The law was not a new way of salvation. He had already given this promise that Jesus would come that all would be blessed through his descendants. And then we jump into verse 19, I don't want to go through verse 22. It says, "Why then was the law given?" It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins, but the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now, a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement, but God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Is there a conflict, then, between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the Scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, so we received God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. And I know... As we, as we read through this, and you read through especially these, these couple of chapters in the middle that are focusing more on the doctrinal side of things, it would be easy to say, like, okay, what in the world? Like, give me some, like, what was the law for? Give me some truth about the law. And I think that Paul does that. He gives us a few things about the law um, in Galatians 3, 19 through 22. And particularly, he highlights a couple of things in verse 19. He says, it was given alongside the promise to show people their sins, but the law was designed to only last till the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses and was the mediator between God and the people. Here are three things, really quickly, uh, three truths about the law that I think Paul gives us in these verses. The first one is that the law shows people their sins. It says that the law was given alongside the promise. It did not negate the promise. It did not cancel the promise. It did not cancel the fact that Jesus was coming so that he could die on the cross and be raised to life again so that we could be made right with God by putting our faith in him. It did not cancel that. It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. Israel's sin had produced the need for some form of restraint, and you can insert the law. And here's the best way that I know to... Uh, to help us wrap our minds around this and this is not really this is not a great example but it's the best one I could come up with because I'm a parent so if you're a parent you'll kind of understand this how many of you as a parent I know we have you have set a rule you have put a rule in place that previously did not exist because there was some behavior going on in your kids that you knew you couldn't tolerate You put a rule. There was something that happened. You were seeing how your kids were behaving. You thought, we need some guidelines. We need something that will bring some restraint. <laughs> because if we don't, our kids are going to fly off the rails. And so there's a, there's a rule that previously did not exist, but now is going to exist because this is what I know is best. It's going to create some guardrails, some protect. Come on, it's going to put a fence around our kids so that we're saying, hey... This is our will. This is how we know what's best for your life. Stay in the fence. Stay in the fence. If you go outside of the fence, you could get hurt. But if you stay in the fence, I have created this boundary, this restraint, this rule that previously did not exist. But it needs to exist for right now because of the way that you're acting. And you can read all through the Old Testament and God's people. They were not always serving him. And God said, and these people had been in slavery for 400 years. They did not know how to follow God. All they knew how to do was to do what they were told. This is your same task every day. Do this do this, make bricks, build this building. Do, you are our slaves. They were in slavery for 400 years and Moses comes and delivers them out and they you know you can read through Exodus and he's leading the Israelites out of Egypt and they come to a place where God gives them the law. And he says, "I've got to I've got to put something in place so that my people will know what they need to do so that they can do certain things that will that will wash away their sins, so to speak, because Jesus has not come." And so as parents, sometimes we put rules in place that weren't that weren't originally there, but they're there for a time because our kids need them. They need the boundary, they need the restraint in their life. And so the law shows people their sin. Here's the second thing the law was temporary. The law was designed to last only until the coming of Jesus. And we talked about it last week. So we know that Jesus came to fulfill. The law he said i didn't come to get rid of the law i came to be the fulfillment of the law and jesus would even read scripture and he, you know there's one instance where he reads out of isaiah and he says right there to the people like this right here has been fulfilled right before your eyes in other words i'm standing here that scripture is fulfilled that has already happened jesus came to fulfill the law We could never do it all, so Jesus did it all for us. And God's promise that he made through Abraham before the law was fulfilled through Jesus. In other words, this was in place. God was using this for his people. And we need to go back and we need to read it and understand how it was pointing to Jesus. How it was pointing to Jesus. But it was never intended for us to follow it as a way of salvation for today. Our way of salvation, our way to the Father, Jesus has told us, I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other, listen to me somebody, there's no other way to get to God than through Jesus. There's no other way. You've been looking for another way, well maybe if I just do enough good things, if I'm just a good person, I must be going to heaven because good people go to heaven. No, good people don't go to heaven, people that are covered in the blood of Jesus go to heaven. People that have placed their faith in Jesus are the ones that go to heaven. Not people who do all of the good things. You can be a good person and not be saved. That doesn't save you. God created good things for you to do so that when you got saved, you could step into those things. But it's not the good things that save you. You could never be good enough. You can never be good enough. That's why you needed Jesus. As we read last week where Paul said, I don't treat the grace of God as meaningless. If I could do all this on my own, why did Jesus even need to come? Come on, you're saved by placing your faith in Jesus. And then here's the third thing. The law was second class. You ever, you ever called something second class? Well, they're a second class citizen or that's second class whatever, you know. And all that means is that it's not as good. Like, that's not as good. And the law was, was second class to What Jesus was going to do and and I want to point this out because I found it interesting as I was reading through this again that God used a mediator to establish the law right and what does a mediator do a mediator's responsibility is to be in between two parties to help them come to an agreement okay if they do this are you going to do this okay and if they do that are you going to do that and if, and if they do, like, okay, if they do their part, then you have to do your part. The only way this works is if you two come to an agreement and you're going to have to compromise some and you're going to have to compromise some and we're going to have to come together in agreement. That's what a mediator does. And God says whenever he gave the law, Moses was the mediator. Right? There were God's people, and there was Moses, and he would go, and he would get, you know, he would, God would speak to him, and then he would go, and he would tell the people, and lead the people, and then God would speak to him, and he would go, and he would tell the people, and lead the people, and God gave his law, and he gave it to Moses, and he said, you need to tell the people this is what they need to do. So in other words, God set the law in place, and Israel's responsibility was to keep it. Do these things. Do these things. And there's a mediator set, but he points out, he says, whenever he gave this promise, which we know was that Jesus was going to come, one day, that the Messiah was going to come. When he gave his promise, he didn't use a mediator. He spoke right to Abraham. You know why he did that? Because the only person who needed to keep up any end of the deal was God. You know what Abraham's responsibility was? You know what your responsibility is? Believe it. Believe it. Put your faith in what Jesus has already done for you. God was the one who was going to do this and orchestrate this and send Jesus, and Jesus was going to live this life and die for you. And just like with Abraham, he said, "He said, here's what I'm promising you. I'm making a covenant with you.'" And it was, and Abraham was counted righteous because he believed. It was because of his faith that he was righteous. And it's the same with us. It's our faith in Jesus that makes us right with God. It's our faith in Jesus. And as we discovered earlier, even the Old Testament, prior to the law and after the law, was all pointing to the promise of Jesus that predated the law and we continue here the last few verses starting in verse 23 before the way of faith in Christ was available to us we were placed under guard by the law we were kept in protective custody so to speak until the way of faith was revealed let me put it another way the law was our guardian until Christ came it protected us until we could be made right with God through faith And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Come on, that is good news For us today, that God's promise belongs to us, not because of what we've done, but because we have placed our faith in Jesus. We've placed our faith in Jesus. One theologian, he summed up these verses in this way He said, The law kept the Jews in line, so to speak, until Christ came and the full revelation of the gospel was given to Jews and Gentiles. And because of what Jesus has done for us, when we place our faith in Him, and we receive salvation, we all become a part of the same body. I think that's what we're, is being communicated in verse 28, that there's no longer Jew or Gentile. There's no longer slave or free, no longer male or female. It's that we're no longer separated. There's no longer, well, there's this way for you, and you can't get there. There's this way for you, and then you've got to do all these things, and when they get saved, then you've got to go to them, and you've got to tell them that they got to do all these things because they've got to do all the same things that you did. And he says, no, all of that was 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 broken down. All of that was fulfilled. All of that was accomplished. That's what Jesus said on the cross. He said, it is finished. It is accomplished. It is done everything that needed to be done was done and so we're all a part of one body and you can read in first corinthians where paul the same guy who wrote this was telling the corinthian believers he said you're all a part of one body and god has gifted you 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 and god has given you specific talents and abilities and things so that we can all fulfill our role and our part as the body and the head can't say to this one you're not as as, you know important as me and the hand can't say the foot you're not as important to me because you're not a hand no we all have a part to play we're all a part of the same body. We're all different individuals all working together for the same cause. We're all a part of the body of Christ. And he says, listen, there's no longer this separation. Now by faith in Jesus. You know how you become a part of the church? Faith in Jesus. How do I know if I'm a part of the capital C church? Faith in Jesus. And the word of God tells us that you become a part of the capital C church. You become a part of the body of of Christ. And now God has already there are already things that he had planned for you to do from the beginning of time that you can step into and you can start to fulfill your purpose while you're here on this earth because you have placed your faith in Jesus. Will you stand to your feet as the worship team comes back? <clears throat> I think that we could we could sum it all up this way that becoming a Christian And growing in our Christian lives is all based on faith in Jesus. In other words, going back to the beginning of this, Paul said. Why, if you're saved by faith, would you try to work this all out and do all of these things in your own strength? No, it's it's the same God who saved you is the one that's perfecting you and sanctifying you and working it out in you as you follow after him. Uh, We have we have the opportunity to um, celebrate in baptism. And we, we set these up where we have, about every three months, we have an opportunity for anybody that wants to follow Christ in baptism to be baptized. And, uh, and so we're going to celebrate with someone who has made that decision and uh, asked the Lord into their heart. And these are, we talked about it some last week, And I know I had you stand up and about to have you sit down, so you can probably go ahead and sit down. (sighs) I'll have you stand up in a minute, right? This is what we do. Sit down, stand up. Sit down, stand up. We talked about it last week how um, in the Old Testament there was, you know, there was the uh, circumcision was how you knew who God's people were. And it was the cutting away of, of, of the old and the new coming to life. And that is what baptism is for the New Testament believer. It is a decision that's already been made on the inside. It's a decision that's already, you've already been transformed on the inside. But there is something, there is something powerful and something significant in the fact that when you go into the water, you're leaving the old life. And when you come out of the water, you're coming up a new creation. And it's an outward, um, an outward example, an outward thing that we do to celebrate this. So I don't know. Do we have the ability to put this on the screen? No. Okay. So if you if you want to come up, if you're wanting to see, then you can come up um, and kind of hover around here, and then we'll go back to our seats and and we want to end in worship. But um, are you are you ready? I see you standing back there. I'm gonna put. Can you hold this for a second, or just set it on that? this is so this is Lincoln Dale and you can sit sit this way there you go is it warm <laughs> um, there's something about every time that we every time that we have a service where we're baptizing people whether it's 1 3 15 25 there's something man I don't know it's like it's it's like the lord does something fresh in my heart <laughs> because there's something there's something so powerful obviously the best decision you could make is to place your faith in Jesus but man there is something so powerful when you make the declaration publicly to say this is the decision I've made this is a decision I've made and I've had the opportunity um, of baptizing our oldest three kids and talking through that with them what's been so interesting about that is that every one of them have come to us and started asking questions and so we started talking with them about what it means to get saved and what it, you know how you go about it and and then after that they've been baptized um, and 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 I know this young man and I know his parents. And I think that this is, just like with all of your kids, I think this is going to be a moment that it, something, there's something significant. I know that baptism doesn't save us. Man, there's something that happens in our lives whenever we follow Jesus in this way. Telling you, if, if you're sitting in this room right now or you're watching online, and I know you probably can't see this online right now, I don't know. And you've you've placed your faith in Jesus, and you've never been water baptized, um, man, I think it's your next step. I do. I think it's I think it's your next step to to declare to the world and go public with your faith and say, you know what, the old is gone and the new has come, amen. And I want us to, we're gonna. So I want to pray for us, and then uh, we'll worship one final time. And I love, I love every single time. No matter what we do, I always love going out worshiping. That the last thing we do be lift up the name of Jesus. And and, uh, I want to invite our prayer team to come if you're in the room. And will you stand again? I told you I was going to have you stand again. You know. Some of you, if it's like your first time here, you're like, why does this church stand and sit so many times? I don't get it. Um, I want to give you an invitation that we we give every single week at the end of every message, at the end of every service, is that if you need prayer for anything in your life, we want you to be able to receive prayer. And you could have something going on in your marriage, with your kids, your finances, your your job, health issues. I mean, there's just something right now, and you and you know that, man. I just want somebody to agree with me. I want somebody to to pray over me. Maybe you don't even have the words to speak. And I believe this is a, a significant moment, an opportunity for you to receive prayer, uh, for us to link arms with you and believe with you for what it is that you're believing God for. Amen. So I want to pray for you. And then the worship team is going to sing this last song. And as they begin to sing, if you need prayer for anything in your life, you can just slip out of your seat and come let somebody pray for you. And uh, we're going to end in this way. So Lord, we thank you today for Your word, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And that it's only by him and his death, burial, and resurrection that we can be saved, that we can be made right, Lord. And I just pray for every person here under the sound of my voice that if if they've placed their faith in you but they've never been water baptized, Lord, I pray that they would make that decision, that they would choose to follow you in water baptism as a significant step in their walk with you. And Holy Spirit, I pray as we sing this last song that you would draw every person today who needs prayer for anything in their life.